Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. All right, tonight uh, we're going to look at uh, Rome, uh, excuse me, uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, uh, we're flying through the book of Revelation, aren't we? We, we hadn't been doing this, but for maybe what, uh, six months or something like that? Uh, Revelation chapter 2, we're going to pick up at verse 18, and uh, I thought we were further along than this, and uh, I was uh, actually started planning on uh, the next portion and realized that we had not done uh, the portion that we need to pick up in chapter 2. So, uh, Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to pick up at verse 18, I believe it is. So, uh, and this is the letter to Thyatira. And... uh, uh, Tonight I want to start out with talking about some things that are happening in uh, current events. Uh, One is, uh, heard a story about the uh, uh, fella over in Colorado who is the baker who has been embroiled with uh, different ones uh, out there. Uh, As you know... uh, uh, he is the his bakery is called Masterpiece Bakery. Are you familiar with this uh, case? It, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. He's a Christian man. It, it's a family business. Uh, they run a bakery where he uh, decorates cakes as well as as makes all kinds of confections and things. And uh, he was brought up on charges by a specific board uh, there in Colorado that is policing those who might show discrimination against people uh, for their sexual preferences, uh, evidently. And uh, he was found guilty in Colorado for uh, um, uh, showing uh, prejudice towards these individuals who came to a shop and wanted him to uh, bake a cake celebrating their uh, homosexual wedding, and he refused to do so, uh, stating that it was his religious liberties that uh, were at, at stake here. Uh, uh, if he was forced to bake a cake specifically for something that he feels as though is not within his uh, religious uh, beliefs, uh, that uh, he feels as though he should have the right to say that he doesn't feel appropriate uh, doing that because his artistic talents would be lent towards uh, celebrating something that he feels as though is a sin, a sinful behavior. Uh, he was charged in Colorado and went to their, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court and they upheld the charges against him so much so that he uh, had, was forced to close his bakery because uh, the charges uh, were just so exorbitant against him. Uh, not only uh, for defending himself, but also charges against him for uh, the alleged defense. Uh, this case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it wasn't too long ago that the United States Supreme Court sided with him, stating that uh, it was uh, 
against his religious beliefs and that he was not forced to do that. Well, not too long after uh, the celebration of his victory at the United States Supreme Court, uh, he was brought up on charges once again by this uh, this uh, council, board, whatever it is. I, I, I don't know exactly what they call it, but it, it is... Uh, they uh, state that someone else came into his store asking them him to uh, bake a cake celebrating their uh, birthday. Uh, and that, that doesn't seem like it would be something that he would be against, but it was the ninth birthday of this person's transition from male to female or female to male, whichever one it is. And uh, uh, they're suing him because of the fact that he refused to bake that, uh, make that particular cake, uh, uh, celebrating his transition from one sex to another. And uh, it seems as though this man is is just a target of uh, the uh, morality of uh, this uh, new sexual morality that is uh, that's plaguing our nation. Uh, and uh, so uh, we see here that this man is is trying to stand up for his his uh, belief in the fact of uh, what the Bible says about uh, homosexuality, about uh, all of this. I don't even know how you keep up with all the stuff that, that they're doing uh, with the LGBT uh, and all the other uh, letters that are going after all of that. I, I, I can't keep up with all that uh, that mess, but <coughs> they are now... I mean... Uh, uh, you you remember uh, also in the news not too long ago uh, the actress Deborah Messing was criticized for uh, putting a tweet on the internet. Uh, she tweeted out celebrating uh, something about women. She uh, baked some cupcakes with. Uh, a female anatomy part uh, celebrating women and women's uh, something to do about women. I, I forget. When, uh, ladies, I, did y'all ever feel like you needed to celebrate being a woman? I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what the big deal was, but she did that and, and she had a lot of people come down on her because of the fact that uh, evidently not all women have this female part. And... and uh, uh, for the life of me, I can't see how you can be a woman without this particular part. I mean, it, it is the part that distinguishes between male and female. But uh, uh, this this particular uh, uh, she would she had to issue all kinds of apologies because in this enlightened age of of uh, sexual morality that our nation is, seems to be plagued with re, uh, lately, uh, not uh, evidently not all women have this particular part. And uh, uh, it is the essential part, uh, in my opinion. So uh, it's kind of hard to imagine how uh, they would come down on her for that. Uh, but that's the first uh, section of stories related to current events. Uh, the second story uh, that I want to share with you is uh, recently there appeared to be somewhat of a victory in that uh, the... I don't want to go into all the politics of certain denominations, but a... Uh, the United Methodist Church recently had a convocation of all of their 
uh, big wigs, the people that make decisions. In the Southern Baptist Convention, as you know, uh, we have each year a meeting of messengers and people, uh, not just uh, clergy, but uh, average everyday people uh, who are voted on by their church to be a messenger to the Southern Baptist Convention go and make decisions about the course and direction of the Southern Baptist Convention each year, as you are aware. Uh, in the United Methodist Church, they have a uh, board of electors, some group that comes together every four years. And they had an emergency meeting uh, that was uh, not within that four-year schedule uh, just recently to decide whether or not they were going to um, uh, allow uh, for uh, the... Uh, uh, decisions related to homosexuality and and whether or not they were going to recognize homosexuality within the United Methodist Church, um, and uh, evidently they voted uh, on the side of the Bible to to interpret the Bible to mean that marriage would be between a man and a woman, and that uh, that uh, they would not uh, have allow. Uh, unions between uh, uh, homosexuals in their churches. Uh, it was it's, it was a tremendous victory for those who are were hoping and praying that the United Methodist Church would stand on uh, the basis of the Bible. Um, now that's not to say that there are not Methodist churches throughout our nation uh, in certain areas that do. Uh, 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 celebrate homosexuals within their uh, fellowship, welcome homosexuals. In fact, uh, uh, there is a very large segment of uh, Methodists who most likely will break off from the United Methodist Church as a result of this decision because they are uh, open to homosexuals in their churches. And it was not that uh, the United Methodist Church was... Uh, uh, voting to uh, not associate with homosexuals. I mean, uh, uh, the Christian church needs to to hopefully uh, be open to witnessing to those who are in uh, a homosexual situation to try and uh, hopefully uh, see the power of God and, and uh, the power of salvation to come into their lives to help them to, to, to get in a right relationship with God, but what we see uh, uh, with these two stories are uh, two diametrically uh, uh, situated stories. Uh, one in which uh, a man uh, with a bakery is being forced by the new morality to try and bend to the will of that morality to to not only accept people. Uh, now, this gentleman with Masterpiece Bakery uh, does not refuse uh, the sale of, of the re his regular baked goods to anyone who comes into a store. Uh, it, it doesn't matter who they are or what, what they uh, do with those baked goods once he leaves the store. He, he, he doesn't have a problem with it. It's uh, what his issue is, is that he uh, is... Uh, they're attempting to force him to use his artistic skills to celebrate uh, the homosexual lifestyle and the transgender 
uh, lifestyle and use his artistic skills uh, to celebrate those things and those things he has issues with. But he's uh, taking a stand against those things. And you have the United Methodist Church at the other uh, story uh, who seems to be uh, seems to be making a stand, but has for some time uh, many within its ranks have some t- uh, for some time have been uh, bending to the will of the new home uh, the new uh, sexual morality that says that anything goes and that anything they desire uh, should be not only accepted but celebrated within uh, the ranks. Um, so what does this have to do with Revelation chapter 2? Well, I believe it has a great deal to do with Revelation chapter 2. If we'll look at that uh, for a moment, it uh, begins, uh, verse 18, it says, And to the angel of the church at Thyatira, write these things, uh, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like a fine brass. Uh, I know thy works and thy charity and thy service and thy faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce uh, my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she uh, repented not. Behold, I will cast her unto uh, into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children uh, with death, and with and all of the ch- uh, the churches shall know that I am He which searcheth. Uh, the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest uh, in Thyatira, as may has have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put unto you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So what we have is... In this situation, a uh, a church that is in compromise, and what we see is compromise that is is taken several different forms, and we've seen in these churches that uh, that John has mentioned uh, several different areas of compromise. First of all, we have the compromise on the gospel, and uh, uh, one of the churches had a refusal to preach the whole gospel of sin and judgment. And we see this in our uh, modern day society and world. We have some within our uh, nation to this day who are calling themselves to be Christian, and yet they uh, do not preach the full gospel. And what it is, is they're seeking to avoid persecution. 
Anybody who holds to the Word of God and holds to the truth of God's Word uh, receives a great deal of persecution. Uh, and uh, uh, particularly those who are in places of uh, that are uh, seen in the public eye on a great deal. Uh, what, we, what we see is, is that uh, our... Our churches are facing persecution, and uh, when when we stand up and we uh, talk about the Word of God, and when we talk about God's Word as it relates to today's world and and the the issues in today's world, we see a great deal of churches that are uh, have their feet stomped by the world, by society, by uh, culture that says, "Oh no, you can't." Uh, talk about those things. You can't say that those things are sinful. Uh, and what happens is, is they draw their feet back up and say, uh, and and rather than uh, placing themselves out in that place of uh, society in the world and making a bold statement for Christ, they uh, step back a, a few steps and and instead of giving the full message of God's word, uh, instead they tend to avoid those subjects. They avoid sexuality. They avoid uh, uh, preaching about sin. Uh, When was the last time you heard on uh, the radio or on TV a preacher talking about uh, hellfire and damnation and and preaching about sin and, and, and the consequences of sin and judgment? Um, so many of those preachers that are out on, in in uh, the public arena, uh, we, you know, it's a whole lot easier to talk about uh, Jesus's love and talking about just simply. Uh, and and there's quite a few big churches. I mean, really big churches in our nation that where the preachers they don't talk about any any type of of consequences to sin they talk about feeling good and being the best you can be and talk about uh good feelings and and all of those things related to to just simply having a positive attitude about yourself and positive uh mental position none of those things are are in the scripture uh, they they talk about uh, just simply uh, uh, things that will keep them from being in the uh, the limelight in terms of of uh, standing up for the gospel and standing up for scripture. We we need uh, churches that are not going to be afraid of preaching about the consequences of sin and not being afraid to call certain things that people are doing as sinful behavior not being afraid to stand up for the word of god and 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 uh god's declaration about sinful behavior calling sin sin and and uh our society and our world wants to talk about how uh uh, the Bible's old and archaic and is not uh, relevant for today because so many things we're more uh, supposedly we're more enlightened we're more aware of uh, things and we're not 
backwards anymore. Uh, they, they, they claim that the people of the Bible were backwards in their understanding of, of things and backwards in their uh, uh, views. And, and anybody that holds to those views of the Bible is, 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 are condemned as being backward and as being holding on to archaic views that, that are uh, bigoted and uh, uh, that are uh, discriminatory against people. Uh, uh, and all along, we're just trying to, to show uh, what God's Word says about what God believes about certain things. But the world doesn't want to hear it. And so uh, we have a lot of Christians that compromise about the gospel, refusing to preach the whole gospel and about sin and judgment. Second uh, area of compromises. Uh, are churches that are incorporating false teachings and bringing elements that are not true to keep them from being persecuted. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where he says that we're to preach the whole counsel of the Bible, that we're not to be afraid to, to preach the Word in season and out of season, that we're to, to be strong and to stand up and to, and to preach the, me, uh, the true message of the Gospel. Uh, thirdly, we've got those churches that are failing to confront or discipline sin. Uh, we, we've got churches that are merely turning their back to sinful behavior and not even addressing those sinful behaviors. Uh, there's denominations that are not only uh, not condemning homosexuality, but they're not... Uh, they've got clergy that they have approved who are homosexual, serving in roles of, of, as ministers of the gospel. These are clearly people that are uh, engaging in sin, sinful behavior, and they're not calling their behavior sinful. And, and in fact, the... Uh, the <laughs> The justification for that is, is that they're saying, well, well, look, are you saying you're completely without sin? Are you saying that you don't have some area of your life that has sin? And the idea is, is to try and get you to believe that, well, everybody's sinful and this uh, just because your sin is, is not as public as someone else's sin uh, shouldn't preclude that person from serving in the ministry. Now, I have a real problem with that. To say, well, uh, uh, first of all, they, they don't believe that homosexuality is sinful. Uh, but even if they were to admit that, uh, let's just take it, that sin out and put another sin in. Are we, so we're to say that, well, uh, maybe somebody that has a problem with pedophilia uh, we'll allow that person to be a minister of the gospel. Let's, let's make that person a bishop in the church. That church has even gone so far as to uh, not only allow uh, homosexuals to serve as ministers of the gospel, but they're also getting ready to uh, uh, ordain as priests people who are transgender. And so they are not 
uh, not only are they not uh, calling sinful behavior sinful, but they are, uh, they're not disciplining that behavior. And you've got uh, some within the Catholic Church even that are uh, covering up the, uh, the actions of some of the priests that have been caught in uh, sex scandals involving uh, minors and children. Where does it end? Where do we stop? Evidently, they want to just cover it up and not, not uh, deal with it. And the fourth area of compromise that's going on in the church is uh, embracing sinful aspects of culture. And that's where uh, we get into this with this passage of Scripture. Uh, we see here uh, this church that is in Thyatira. And uh, we uh, let me just share a few uh, things about this church real quick. Uh, this church is located... Uh, the church of Thyatira, uh, Thyatira was located about 35 miles inland between Pergamon and Sardis in northern Lydia. Uh, this is part of that circle of churches that uh, the ten churches are uh, included. Thyatira was uh, first established as a shrine to the uh, sun god uh, uh, and named a different name, but it was later changed to Thyatira uh, when it was overtaken by Rome. Uh, Lydia of uh was of Thyatira, and Lydia was one of Paul's uh, first Christian converts in Europe. Uh, Thyatira was known for its dying uh, process and had a strong guilt to those who uh, were a part of uh, the process of, of dying uh, clothing. They had a, a great number of guilds within Thyatira. They were a very wealthy area because they had a lot of trade guilds. Uh, they had uh, one of the significant traits of Thyatira was the uh, uh, prominence of these various trade guilds, including uh, those who... Uh, had associations of clothiers, those who were bakers and tanners and potters and linen workers and wool merchants, slave traders, shoemakers, dyers, and coppersmiths. And what we see here is uh, uh, a message from Jesus Christ to the angel of the church at Thyatira. And he says, this is from... The Son of God. Now, Jesus uh, says this is not just a message from uh, from uh, he he names himself as the Son of God. This is significant in that uh, he is coming with great authority. And listen to how he describes himself. He says uh, this is a message from. Uh, he whose eyes are like unto flame of fire and his feet are like a fine brass. So what we see here is, is a message of Jesus Christ coming in great judgment. And he is, uh, uh, begins out with a praise. He says uh, he, he gives them praise for their faith and for their service and for their patient endurance. And he even gives them a compliment in that he says, you're healthier now than you have been. 
He's saying, you know, you are a stronger church now than you have been, but Jesus doesn't want to leave us in a less than healthiest condition. And this church at Thyatira, even though they are doing better than they have been, and the fact that they have been, uh, he commends them for the fact that they of their faith and their service and and their their endurance. He says, "I still have some things against you." He says, "You're allowing this one," uh, and he doesn't name the person uh, literally by name. He he names her Jezebel. And this is uh, this can't be that person's name because uh, ever since uh, Jezebel, uh, the wife of Ahab in the Old Testament, I don't believe anybody wanted to name their child Jezebel. And uh, he says, but you are tolerating heretics within your midst. He says, there's a woman who claims to be a prophetess. He says in verse 20, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest the woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to uh, eat the things that are sacrificed to idols. He says, you're allowing this woman who is a claiming to be a prophetess, but she is teaching Christians to indulge in the sexual promiscuity of the society. And what happened was uh, there, there are these trade guilds within Thyatira that I told you about. They're uh, trade guilds that are related to all the different uh, uh, craftsmanship that's going on within this, uh, the community. This community is well known for the craftsmen that are involved. Just like this region of the United States is known for farming and farmers and many of the industries related in this in our community is related to farm the farming industry even if you work in baking or or uh, insurance uh, business in this region you're going to deal with farming and your main source of income is going to be coming from people that are in farming so even if you're uh, uh, in other industries like uh, the newspaper business or anything else your big uh, source of income comes from the aspect uh, catering to the aspects of farming right I mean uh, farming is is a major business in this area well, uh, the cra- trade crafts were a major industry that was going on in Thyatira. And so you had all these artisans that, that were using their skills and talents as uh, uh, woodworkers and, and people that were craftsmen with uh, linen and, and fine goods and all these other things. Well, part of that uh, uh, industry was that they had these guilds and you had to be a part of the guild in order to do, to get a job it's kind of like our understanding of unions in certain areas of the united states if you want to do a job in a certain type of job you have to belong to a union Uh, particularly if you're going to be in construction or or uh, a lot of other uh, businesses like uh, shipping and things like that in the north uh, northern part northeastern parts of the United States, you have to be a part of a union in the United States, right? Uh, and you cannot do those jobs in those uh, 
those areas if you're not a part of the union. Uh, and there are other uh, industries that are involved in unions, and so unions are a big deal in that area. Well, these, guild cra uh, these guilds were the same way. You could not get a job in Thyatira if you weren't a part of that guild. And part of the problem was is that uh, you had to, to, to do the things that were involved in that guild in order to be a part of that guild. And part of the practices of those guilds were to worship to these false idols. And you had to, uh, to and a lot of the, the uh, practices of these guilds was also uh, the practice of uh, participating in uh, the, the uh, 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 being with uh, the temple uh, prostitutes that were related to the worship of these foreign gods. So you, uh, many of the, uh, the meetings and the gatherings of these guilds were, were uh, participating in things that the Christians didn't want to be a part of. So if they didn't do those things, they couldn't be a part of the guild. And so uh, in order to be a good Christian, you had to abstain from doing those things, which meant you could not be a part of the guild. You couldn't be a member of the guild. You couldn't uh, do your trade craft. And so members of this church were compromising because of the fact that they couldn't get work unless they are part of these guilds and they had to do those practices uh, in order to be a part of those guilds. And one of the things that uh, they also were being uh, chastised by uh, Jesus here is they were allowing this woman who calls herself a prophetess to also entice these uh, people, these Christians who are part of this church. Now, uh, one of the things that, that was a part of this church was that they were being faithful for a while of abstaining from being a part of these guilds. But they had allowed this prophetess, this woman who called herself a prophetess, to come into their church to teach their members and to entice them to go ahead and be a part of these guilds to go ahead and do these practices along with the uh, with others uh, to be a part of these guilds it'd be kind of like having somebody come into our church and we invite them in to be a part of our church they become a member and we say hey uh, they say well hey i taught Sunday school in this other church, how about allowing me to teach Sunday school here? And so we say, okay, we'll let you teach Sunday school. And so that person begins to teach Sunday school and they start encouraging us to go out and to drink in the bars and to go out and uh, shoot up uh, drugs in the drug dens and uh, these uh, houses that are filled with people shooting up doing drugs so that we can go in there and witness by being a part of that. And that's kind of like what she was doing in this church, this woman who he calls a Jezebel because he's and she's enticing the members to, to follow after these false gods and do the things that are part of being a part of these guilds uh, in order to be a part of the community. And why does he call her Jezebel? Well, if you go back in your Bible uh, and study uh, the Scripture related to King Ahab and, and Jezebel, you'll know that now this was in uh, 
say, uh, I believe, Second Samuel that you'll find uh, the passage of Scripture related to Jezebel. Remember that Elijah came up against Jezebel because of the fact that she was promoting... Uh, she was a princess, a foreign princess that came in and, and married uh, King Ahab. And Ahab started to follow after Jezebel when she went to worship Baal and Asherah. Uh, these two fertility gods, uh, and uh, and Ahab and Jezebel led the people of Israel away from God into the worship of Baal and Asherah. And remember, the big showdown on Mount Carmel was against the prophets of Baal and and Elijah, and he uh, he uh, had the big showdown on top of Mount Carmel, and he. Uh, wound up after God made fire rain down from heaven. He slew uh, the 400 prophets of Baal. And uh, she got all upset at, at Elijah for that and said, I'm going to make you like those prophets of Baal that you slaughtered. I'm going basically saying, I'm going to slaughter you. And uh, Elijah got all upset about that and went hid in a cave. So... Uh, He's comparing this woman to Jezebel because Jezebel was a part of leading the people of Israel to the worship of Baal and Asherah. And this woman was doing the same thing in this church in Thyatira. And so he calls her Jezebel for that. And he says about her, he says, look, I gave her and her followers, so she had a following too, gave them time to, uh, to repent. But she didn't uh, repent. And so because of that, he, uh, uh, Jesus says that He will cause her to, uh, to go to a sickbed. And to uh, even though that she had a time of repentance, the threat was that she and her followers would become sick. And, and at this time, uh, it was understood amongst Christians if you became uh, had a great illness uh, that let, could lead to death, that it could be associated with the, the judgment of God. So what is that message for us in this passage of Scripture? For today, as I told you, these uh, messages to these churches are messages for the church today because we can see the activities and actions of our churches today uh, in the actions of these churches. <coughs> we have to be people that stand up for the message of God. We can't allow ourselves to be compromised and allow ourselves to compromise the message of Jesus Christ and the message of God's love. God's love is not just a a message about the fact that He's given us a plan of salvation, but the message of salvation also deals with the fact that, uh, that God is a righteous God. The message of salvation doesn't just simply go out there and say, hey, God loves you and God wants to 
uh, love you and He's given you salvation. The reason God gives us salvation is because God first establishes the fact that He is righteous and holy. Throughout all of the Old Testament, God establishes time and again with the children of Israel that He's holy and that they are called to holiness as well. And God continually tells the people of Israel, He tells us to this day that God is a righteous and holy God and God is a, is a jealous God and will not allow us to follow after the things of unrighteousness, will not allow us to go... Uh, God uh, equates the children of Israel going after uh, idols as prostituting themselves out to these other gods. In fact, God uh, uses a more... Uh, uh, a stronger term for it. He 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 calls the children of Israel out on this, and he says, "You're you're prostituting yourself out to these idols." And he says, "I'll not allow you to do those things." God calls us to a holy lifestyle, and and so much so that we're to see that we cannot attain the holiness of God in and of ourselves. that we have to have a Savior, that we have to have someone who will come and, and bring us to the righteousness of God because we can't attain it in ourselves. That's the whole issue of the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are given to us not uh, so that we'll uh, believe that we can attain uh, righteousness and holiness in and of ourselves, but that we would realize that we can't keep from uh, breaking the Ten Commandments. In fact, Jesus says, look, you've heard it said that you cannot commit adultery, but He says if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you, uh, you, You've heard that you cannot uh, covet your neighbor's possessions, but if you uh, uh, desire it within your heart, and you, He says you've, you've committed adultery, uh, I mean, you've committed, you've coveted against your neighbor and have stolen within your heart. And he says, these things that you've done within your mind and in your heart, uh, even though you've not uh, broken the law overtly, when you do those things uh, within your heart, you've already broken the law. And, and it was, again, to point out the fact that we needed a Savior. A Savior that... Uh, that uh, is Jesus Christ, the Savior who came to die on the cross for our sins to pay the penalty of, of sin for us so that we could uh, enter in through the veil that was rent in the temple and enter into the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God. We could not attain that in and of ourselves, that we had to have Jesus Christ to pay the penalty on the cross for us so that we might be able to enter into the presence of God. You see, we've got people today that think that we can enter into the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God in all of our sin. It doesn't matter what we do. We can just uh, we can sin all we want to and, and, and we can go in and to be the presence of God with all of the sin in us. No, God says you must be holy. And we can't be holy in and of ourselves. But we, because we have the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb of God who went to 
to, to pay the, the penalty of our sins on the cross of Calvary has sprinkled the blood of His uh, uh, blood upon us so that we might have the righteousness of God, that we might have the cleansing of, the, of Jesus Christ upon us so that we can go into the presence of God. That's the message that we need to share with the world today. That we can't just simply uh, do anything that we want to do. That we can't keep on sinning and sinning and sinning and not have the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled upon us before we go into the presence of God. That we must be holy. And we must allow the blood of Jesus Christ to change our lives, to transform us so that we no longer have a desire for that sin, that we no longer allow that sin to affect our lives, that we no longer compromise. We can't compromise in our personal life and we cannot compromise within our church. And Jesus says to this church in Thyatira, I commend you for your faithfulness. You've been faithful in so many different ways, but He says you still are compromising in that you're allowing this... Uh, this teaching to take place by this Jezebel and you are failing to confront sin and you're failing to, to discipline this one and you're allowing the embrace of sinful behavior within your church. He says you can't do it or else I'll judge your church. But those who remain faithful, He says, I'll give you the reward in the last days. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to be uh, to embrace Jesus Christ, not embrace the sinful behaviors. We've got to be a church that embraces uh, the message of Jesus Christ and embraces the truth of, of the Gospel. We've got to be faithful to preach the whole Gospel. We can't be afraid to tell others about what Jesus Christ has done for us. If we continue in our society, in our world, to, to, to make accommodations for these things that are sinful, then nothing will be considered sinful. And if nothing's sinful, then there's no need for a Savior. And if there's no need for a Savior, then Jesus Christ didn't need to go to the cross and die for our sins that we can get to God on our own. But we have to stand up and call sin, uh, the things that Jesus, uh, that God calls sinful as such so that people understand the need for a Savior and understand the need for Jesus Christ in their heart and life. Let's pray.